gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me again. This is Diego Ochoa, and I am the superintendent of the San Mateo Foster City School District, and I am here with the One SMFC podcast. We're excited to be here. This is a podcast where we bring together teachers, principals, administrators, parents, and even actually students. We just had our first student podcast this week, uh, and we just talk about the San Mateo Foster City School District, and we're here today with three of my colleagues from the district office, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you all. Hello, I'm Angel Yan. I am the district science TOSA. Very nice to see you, Angel. My name is Ian Castellic, and I'm also a district science TOSA. I get to work with Angel. And you should have some kind of side job as a radio announcer <laughs> with a voice like that, Ian. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm David Chambliss. I'm the assistant superintendent for Ed Services. And we're all friends here. We work at the same office here at the district office. And, you know, a lot of the work that we do, we sort of cross paths every once in a while. Um, but uh, something that has been taking on more and more importance over the last couple of years has been science education. And through a partnership with the San Mateo Foster City Ed Foundation and with amazing partners with Gilead, one of our biggest supporters, the district pursued with that uh, collaboration, some funding for something called Project Inspiration. And I wanted to start with you, David. Talk to us a little bit about the process of identifying Project Inspiration and, and what we were looking to do with that project. Sure. Well, um, just by background, we um, just to emphasize that collaboration with the Ed Foundation and Gilead. And uh, the goal was to think about the ways in which we could um, expand our, our ideas about science learning and we wanted more science education happening that's exactly right and in and in the interactive engaging ways that we know uh, science learning can occur so so not um, like the good old days where you and I had yeah uh, you open 700 a page, to page right yeah, <laughs> open up your textbook to page 803 right. you're gonna learn about electrons right yeah. yeah, and so, um, and this is you know, uh, you know, there are, we are working in an age now with the next generation science standards, which is uh, discovery forward. Right, we we lead with the opportunity to explore and uh, and have an experience that then drives the the learning and the understanding of what did we just experience, and so that can occur in a lot of different ways. And, and that's your perspective as an administrator. You and I, you know, our work is fundamentally about systems and procedures and figuring out things at that level. But then let's turn to the other side of the table here on the support for classroom teachers and the support for staff side of it. Ian, talk to us about your excitement about this idea of more science education and what Project Inspiration means to you. Thank you, Diego. Um, first off, I can't say enough thanks to the Ed Foundation for their support. And um, they've just gone way overboard with being responsive and being excited about supporting science in our school district. And I, I just can't sing their praises enough. So thanks again at FedAshing. Well, and you know that this is the week they're having their gala. This is October 22nd. What a it's coincidence online. that we're speaking about that then, right Isn't now. it? Yes. Crazy. Crazy. Um, so, as David was saying, uh, the NGSS really has opened up science to a bunch of students who wouldn't necessarily normally think of themselves as scientists. Typically, the, the, the science kid 
was a kid who was really good at memorizing, right, and really good at taking notes. And other students who... I still have nightmares about ion charts. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and students who necessarily didn't have the, that skill set at that point in their lives um, felt left out. And the NGSS, with its discovery and problem first, and then trying to come up with solutions for it, really levels the playing field, and it makes it much more accessible to all students. Everyone can bring their experiences and their ideas to the solution of these problems, and it's that's right. really, really beneficial. And um, that's what part of what you work on with Angel. You, the two of you work to talk a little bit, Angel, about your... You're new to the role. This is your first year. And yes. last year, were you teaching at Burrell, was it? I was teaching at Abbott for at s- Abbott. the past six years. Okay. And this year, I'm also teaching a class at Burrell. Yep. And, and now you're at this district level. Talk a little bit about that, about supporting teachers and, and the work that you're doing through Project Inspiration. I think he's definitely very, very excited, um, especially in the past few years. Uh, all the science teachers in the district, um, they have the opportunity to participate in the pilot program where we were in search for high-quality NGSS material um, and curriculum that really aligned with what we believe in um, to make sure that it's not just a textbook space like what you were saying, but it is really a process to lead the students to see that they are going to discover the science concept one step at a time. And I think another exciting part about that is equality is a very big part that we talk about in the district. And this process of NGSS is really opened the opportunity for all the students to participate regardless of their previous background in science. That's right. And so we might have a classroom teacher who teaches fourth grade, and let's use Sunny Bray as an example. And maybe science isn't their strength, and it isn't their, they didn't take a lot of courses in college in science, or maybe they don't see themselves as scientists. Talk about the difference in teaching under what the three of you all called NGSS, which is the Next Generation Science Standards. Talk about what a science lesson can be like for that teacher at Sunnybrae in fourth grade? What does it actually look like? How is it different from the days of being told, hey, memorize the ion chart or turn to page 800 and and do the questions in the end of the lesson? You're absolutely right, Diego, in the fact that a lot of elementary teachers have not received specific science training in their courses um, prior to going into teaching profession. And it can be very intimidating. What's amazing about the NGSS methods is that a teacher does not need to be an expert in science. What they need to be is an expert in asking questions. And we know that our teachers are very good at asking questions to probe students' thinking and to lead students' thinking. Um, And for the NGSS science um, standards, they are really looking at asking questions to students to stimulate their thinking and thought processes as to how to solve a problem. So the teacher really is much less an instructor and a provider of information and much more a facilitator of the thinking of the student moving forward to solve a question. That's right. And then the textbook in conjunction with the teacher becomes a source of knowledge. It becomes a source of data. It becomes a place where kids can look for information but instead of memorizing it through these next generation science centers, we're teaching kids how to problem solve. How to problem solve and how to dis- how discover the solutions. That's great. Um, how to be That's scientists great. in all aspects of their lives. That's right. Scientific thinking is not 
um, sequestered only to solving a problem in science. It has to do with all aspects of our lives. And the more we can get our students thinking about problem solving and using these methodologies throughout their lives, the better uh, equipped our kids are going to be as adults. The more programs we put in front of them, the more experiences they have where they get an opportunity to work and I'm assuming the kids are working in groups in many of these activities Absolutely. so they're not working by themselves correct and and talk about you know you taught at at Abbott for six years when you had a class where you were able to get kids working with each other talk about why that's so important why is it so important to get these kids talking to each other and working with each other around science well, it's definitely very important because um, I think we talk about the equality issues um, and how traditionally we see that there are students who are better in science or quote-unquote better in science just because that they were better in taking notes. But with the group settings, now students are able to communicate their ideas. So it's not just that one student are getting the A's in the test, but instead they are working together to solve the problems. Um, they're working together to come up with a solution. And we see that actually even more important after we come back from the pandemic, because we know that during the pandemic, it is more difficult for students to work together as a group. We try to um, uh, we try to foster those kind of environments online, but still it's different from the one-on-one um, group experience that people are, that students are receiving in person. So I'm going to put a term out there for you all and just want to see how that, if it sticks to the wall. For me, I've been thinking a lot about as, as a school district, how we take ourselves to the next level. And it really comes back to a word that's very important to me, which is literacy. And I'm going to I'm going to apply it to your, um, to your subject. I'm going to talk about scientific literacy. I'm going to talk about engineering literacy. I'm going to talk about programming literacy. Because literacy as a term, when you apply it to other concepts, like a concept like financial literacy, you can be a very well-read person. If you're not literate in finances, you're missing something. You can be a very educated person if you're not literate in scientific thinking you're missing something how does that talk a little bit about the idea of scientific literacy of engineering literacy what is it what does a phrase like that mean to the two of you i think that it comes down to experiential knowledge right when you've had the opportunities to experience the scientific process in and and we really want to stay away from that term anymore right because the former term of, ex- of scientific process was very linear, and the scientific process is not linear. If you talk to any person who is involved in the sciences professionally, it's not linear. It's, they jump all over the place from, from one task to another, from one part of the experiment to another, um, reevaluating their results, and then going back and starting another experiment based on those results. It's, it's anything but a straightforward path. So the experiences that these students have in engineering, in trying and failing and going back and repeating their, uh, their opportunity to try to build a home, right, sure. that, uh, or a model kit home that, that keeps in the heat, for example. Exactly. Um, going back and doing different iterations of that is really what the literacy that you're talking about is based on. It's, it's experiential knowledge that comes from having done it that can then be applied to other parts of their lives. That's wonderful. Um, another part I want to add is that I really hope that as they 
go on from kindergarten to eighth grade and then going to high school later on, um, I really hope that they can be scientific literate in terms of making decisions in their life. For example, when they hear in the news about climate change, what is that really about? How do they tell in the news what whether f- things are true or not? Um, how about the COVID vaccine or news that they hear about the COVID? I think it's part of a responsibility to make sure that our students are scientific literate, so then they can become um, citizens that can really make um, good decisions in their which whichever way it is, but in a scientific literate way. What I like about the way, the combination of the way the two of you described it is, from your side of it, Ian, it's about experiences. And I think what we're, as a district, figuring out now is how do we gather together the right group of partners to help us create better and more experiences for children. A couple weeks ago, we visited College Park Elementary School. I invited some folks from Lego with us. Pam Bartfield, our CNI director for the elementary schools, was with us. And we sat down and we just had a conversation about giving kids tools and resources. And do you remember the activity that they had us do? The yes. yellow and red bricks. T- talk a minute for a minute about that, Ian. T- tell the families about that experience and what we learned from it. So we were given this, um, this little bag of Legos, and it had yellow bricks and uh, red bricks in it. And the instructions were to make a duck. And that was it. And we weren't given any parameters. Um, just use these and make a duck. And so the five or six of us at the table went around and we weren't really looking at each other, but we did occasionally uh, to cheat and glean some new ideas. I tried. I couldn't see anything, but I was definitely, (laughs) my neck hurt a little bit (laughs) later that Uh, night. That's awesome. And we came up with really five different interpretations of ducks um, from these pieces. And the lesson there is that there isn't always one solution to a problem. There's frequently multiple solutions. The other thing is perspective. I looked at yours and I looked at Angel's and when you turned it, I saw something different. When 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 you faced it to me, it looked different than when I saw it from the other side. And I thought that was a takeaway I had was that, you know, if, if I'm always sitting at one end of the table, I'm going to see things a certain way. If I switch over and move and see things from the other perspective, it's actually very different. I like that. You know, right. and, and, and Angel, I think we, we started that conversation as how do we get more programs yes. onto our campuses, things like Lego. And Lego is one of many, many companies um, that we could potentially start the process of getting more resources and programs out to our schools that specifically target engineering literacy, scientific literacy, programming literacy, because I think all those are very critical components to our kids being ready for high school and for beyond. I think the really cool part of those programs, too, and the potential for those programs with our students is that they see scientific literacy in a different light, right? It's not within necessarily the four walls of the classroom during class time. They see it applied in other ways, and that just broadens their horizons more. To that, that you know, when we think about building literacy through experiences, um, I was in Mr. Gallagher's class last week uh, um, at Laurel, and um, they were doing a science lab in there, and students were uh, looking at how does water pass through or pass through different kinds of materials, and that students were using words like absorbs, beads, um, slides off. 
Um, and these are all words that are common to us, but when you think about building just that scientific literacy of understanding that beads can be something that goes on a coat, but it also can be a way to describe how a, a liquid behaves on a, on a piece of fabric, that those students are building this background knowledge of, um, of scientific vocabulary that ultimately serves them well as they go on. And I really look at this this first podcast as just one in a in a series of of six that we're going to do this school year. Um, myself and and Diego Perez, who isn't uh, mic'd up today, but he's always with us during these podcasts. Uh, we're looking at our roster for our season two of our podcast, which is going to initiate in January of 2022. I want to thank you guys so much for being with me today. Um, this work is going to really define a lot of the approach that we take in our district over the next five years of getting more and more science education, engineering education, programming education into the hands of kids earlier and at every school in the district, not one school pilots or one one spot to try it out, but to really dig into science, engineering, and programming education for all of our students in the district. It's going to be a huge a huge area of focus for us. And I just want to thank you guys for this very first podcast and hope you enjoyed your experience and come back to our next one. This is incredibly exciting. I'd love to be included in that. And thanks very much for having me. All right, lock them down, Diego. You heard them. You heard them. Are you in? You can do it. Okay, you're in too. David? Yep, thank you. For sure. Thank you. Folks, thank you so much for being with us. One SMFC podcast. Thank you all.